Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Listen, in the next couple of years, I believe I'll continue to see technology evolve. It'll be driving payments acceptors to seek out ways to increase merchant traffic through artificial intelligence, AI, help to manage their business through everything from inventory control, menu and product selections, payroll services, employee management. I just see the industry getting more technical. That was Mike Peters, the CEO and president of Beyond, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. This is episode 176 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. What does a math challenge sales guy that migrated into the merchant services industry by accident have to do with going beyond in payments? Quite a bit, actually. Today, we have the new Beyond CEO and president, Mike Peters, on the show. He is a North Jersey native with a passion for helping people reach their goals. For those of you who may not know, Beyond is a merchant acquiring company that drives new merchant sales and facilitates payroll and other business services to mid-market and small business verticals. So what attracted Mike to this role at Beyond? Well, keep listening to hear the details, but it has a lot to do with the company culture and the outreach program that sends money to underprivileged kids who would normally not be able to afford a college education. Hey, we've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Mike. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Greg, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate the time. Look forward to chatting. For our audience, I'm going to tell a little story, Mike, about you. I know you don't know this is coming. You may or may not remember this, but Mike and I actually worked together at Chase Payment Tech. This goes back to maybe 2006-ish or seven, somewhere around there. We were having our annual golf tournament. Mike Duffy was around at the time and always had the annual golf things. So Mike came into town. I saw Mike out in front of the the, the clubhouse and he had this huge bandage on his hand. <laughs> and I'm like, Mike, what happened? And he said, well, I had a little, I'll call it a landscaping accident. Maybe if you want to fill in, you can. But he said, I cut off half of my finger. And I'm like, oh, great. I said, so you're not playing today? And he goes, oh, no, I'm playing. I wouldn't miss this for anything. So I just wanted to share that little story, a little bit about Mike's grit and determination and maybe love for the game of golf. Actually, uh, Greg, I do remember that distinctly. Brings back a couple of horror memories there when I heard the saw hit the finger, but it wasn't going to keep me from playing golf. So thanks for that memory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive in. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. I'm a North Jersey kid. I sort of Give that up the second I open my mouth. Middle-class kid, grew up in the 60s, 70s. He went to high school in North Jersey, ran track and cross-country, was an athlete, attended Montclair State for higher education. Just spent most of my time in North Jersey. Moved out to the northeast section of Pennsylvania when I was about 30 with my newly adopted son, who was two and a half, and my wife, who was pregnant with my daughter. That's where we were told we couldn't have any kids. So I became a father twice in the same year. When we moved out to Pennsylvania, we've been out here for about 32 years now. Well, let's talk about the company, and maybe I'll set this up in a little bit. Since you were newly, I guess you're on about week three, I think you said, of being the CEO and president of Beyond. 
But maybe for those who don't know much about Beyond, tell us what the company does. We are a merchant acquiring company, a sales infrastructure that drives new merchant sales. We also provide a payroll service and business services to the SMB and middle market segment. We have about 450 employees within the organization, give or take. We have a couple of business units within the company, a direct sales channel of about 250 salespeople on the street selling to the SMB and small business and middle market merchants. And we provide payroll services and we have a direct sales channel as well that sells directly to our ISV and our partner channels. Okay. Are there specific verticals within small business and mid-market that you focus on? No. I mean, I will tell you that we're really focusing on that SMB, the middle America feet on the street environment, where I would tell you that the organization has cut its teeth and, and continued to service that community. We don't take it upstream to the national market. So I would tell you that any vertical from restaurants to small business shops to integrated partners that may provide services outside of just the, the standard retail. Okay. And then are you just focused on the U.S. or are there other countries as well? Focused on the U.S. We're a U.S.-based company. Okay. And you have people all over the U.S. in every state, right? Yeah. I don't know that we have somebody in every state at this point. It's a little new for me. My heat map for the sales organization shows a couple of states where we might be a little bit light in, in a few, but for the most part, we cover the major MSAs across the country. Okay. And what would you say differentiates you guys from your competitors out there? One of the reasons why I joined, I had a number of opportunities that I could have considered jumping back into the game after my time with, with Thesis and Global. One of the things that appealed to me about Beyond was their corporate responsibility and their what they call their promises to both the organization and the merchants that we serve. Everything from price protection to flexible contract terms to adaptable product solutions, top security, trusted business advocates. We actually publish a list of our promises to our merchants. That goes a long way in an industry that for years has worked around the premise that you sign a merchant and over the course of time, you need to increase fees. You need to add things on to increase profitability. Beyond the list of promises, we don't focus on that. We focus on the original contract, what we made a commitment to do for the customers, and we try to do it the best way we can without adding fees that probably they weren't expecting early on when we signed the contract. And just curious, you have a hefty size of a direct sales force that are really feet on the street. And I think the trend with the squares and the stripes of the world is it's more of a digital kind of acquisition. So do you find that although it may be harder to manage and more expensive from an acquisition perspective, but it gives your customers more of a service aspect that others can't provide? I've been in this industry now a long time, Greg, as you know, and I'll tell you that I've heard over the course of my career in this business, well, the ISOs and the agent model and the bank direct channels, they're all going to go away. And they're going to be disintermediated by the ISVs and the VARs and all the software technology companies. And by and large, that is happening to some degree. But there is still a level of need for a trusted advisor. And I believe that we bring that to the table for our customers. I believe that they look to us for an honest and fair look at the business. We're there from a service perspective. So I absolutely think while it's a little harder to manage, Definitely a bit more costly to manage, 
the end means for us is that we get a very positive thought process from our customers. Our retention level is typically better. We don't see as much attrition in our client base. So overall, is it going to stay that way forever? And listen, I can't predict the future, but I've been at this now in this industry for well over 37, 38 years. While it has changed, I still see people making cold calls. They're handling it a little bit differently. But they are, in fact, looked at as trusted advisors. And there are still people out there besides us that do have this model. And you mentioned having been in the industry for a while. The next question is really around, where do you see the industry heading? So maybe two or three years from now, and it's interesting because of obviously what's happened in the economy over the last couple of months. I think the answer to this question has changed some, but still, I'm curious, what are your thoughts as someone who has been in the industry a while? Where do you see it headed in the next few years? Well, listen, in the next couple of years, I believe I'll continue to see technology evolve. It'll be driving payments acceptors to seek out ways to increase merchant traffic through artificial intelligence, AI, help to manage their business through everything from inventory control, menu and product selections, payroll services, employee management. I just see the industry getting more technical and much more savvy around that space. Heck, I know merchants that are not far from my home that understand interchange and understand the technical side of the business better than I do. And I've been in the business for all these years. So technology will continue to evolve. I'm not real boned up on the crypto business and going to bring us to the near future, but it'll continue to evolve around technology. And quite frankly, those agents that tie themselves to partners where they can embed themselves into these software providers or they can create relationships from a referral perspective, they'll thrive. Long term, I don't know. I'll be well retired before the agent model ever dissipates and disappears. But I do think that we've still got some time and runway for that to continue. Yeah, I agree. You said something there I wanted to double click on a little bit. You guys are providing, obviously, the merchant accounts, but you're also providing payroll and a few other things. Do you feel that's one of the keys? You're just merchant account providers. Businesses are looking for more services than just that these days. You know, again, I'll refer back to Main Street USA, the local pizza parlor, the local restaurateur, the local retail shop. They're busy. They get in the morning. They've got to check on inventory. Who didn't come in? Is the system up and running? Make sure the alarm's off. You know, is payroll due today? They really would like a one-stop shop where everything's sort of in front of them in a dashboard. And software is bringing that to them. So when you look at these new POS systems and these new software systems, for example, Clover. Clover offers many different services within the system, and we take advantage of that. We're a big seller of the Clover product, and the merchants are looking for not having to worry about inventory management control, payroll, merchant services, banking. They would like it all in one, and that's what they're going to continue to seek to make their life a little bit easier. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I think that's a spot-on trend that's going to continue, and to your point, I agree. There's still a runway of sort of the small business direct model. I don't see that going away anytime soon. But let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So you've talked about being in this industry a while. If you don't mind, walk us through your journey, kind of where you started and up to where you are today. Yeah, listen, I started way back in the late 70s, early 80s, coming out of school in the financial industry, got into the direct merchant business. I was in the financial community and in the collections industry for many years migrated into the merchant industry, quite frankly, by accident in 2001, right after 9-11. That was my first entry into managing through a very difficult time in a diverse time. 
We had just gotten finished with the 9-11 tragedy. I was a young manager in the New York metropolitan area for Chase. I had a small district. I learned the business. I knew nothing about merchant business. I learned the business by walking the streets with the reps daily in a very difficult time when things were very tense. And over the course of time, I continually grew within the organization and various organizations to the point where I left Chase and then Chase Payment Tech, where we knew each other, and switched gears a little bit and went to a company by the name of TransFirst out of Long Island. And that's where, quite frankly, I learned a lot about this business from leaders that many people know in the industry. I'll never gain from a book or you'll never gain from some video. I was just hands-on learning pricing models, learning the industry, learning how the ISOs and the partner channel made money in this business. And I did that for almost 10 years until Transverse was sold to Tesis. Most of the executive management team that I learned from all went on to different opportunities outside of the organization. I stayed on, was the head of sales for a couple of years, and then the CEO that was running the space decided to leave. Troy Woods and the Tesis board had asked me to step in. We were going to go through a process. We believed that we were going to be sold. They asked me to step in and run the organization until such time. I did. I helped through the transition with Global. And then I set out for a couple of years. I had a non-compete, sat out for a couple of years and did my own thing. And my wife wanted me out of the house. So here I am at Beyond. I like sales. I was always the number two guy in sales. And now you know, I've got an opportunity to run an organization that's probably well-suited for me. Yeah, and you mentioned a little bit of this earlier, but maybe you could dive a little deeper. What was so attractive about Beyond? I mean, why did you feel that was such a good fit? So Bob and I met each other a couple of years prior to me leaving Tesis Global. They were a customer. Beyond was a customer. and I was running, obviously, as I said, the merchant segment. Bob and I were negotiating a new contract. We negotiated a contract. He actually had me down to Princeton in his home with a few other folks for dinner. And we just hit it off. I learned a lot more about the company, but more importantly about Bob and his philanthropic views around the give back program, which is what really appeals to me in this organization is not only that we do we do the right thing for our employees and our merchants, but the give back program is something that Bob has developed over the years and Presently, what we do is we send underprivileged kids, kids that normally would not be able to get a college education, and the program has paid for over 1,500 kids in the last five or six years to go to college that otherwise would never be able to do that. I've never been part of something like that. I've always been corporate America, drive revenue, drive shareholder value, do the right thing, grow the business, wake up the next morning and do the same thing. This is all of that. And one more element of giving back, not just on a special day or a special week in the year, but the organization and Bob, we give back all year. I mean, this is a part of the way we live now. And this is the way we look at the business. You know, at this stage of my life, it's sort of cool for me to sit back and say, you know what, I'm part of something that I wish I had had when I was a kid way back in the day. I was a product of paying for school myself at a state school. I wasn't underprivileged, but at the end of the day, parents couldn't send me to school. So to see the expression on some of these kids' faces is just priceless. I've actually attended a commencement that Bob spoke at at a graduation for one of the schools. And just to see some of these kids walk out with their heads up that would never have been able to do that and could have been on the other side 
of the law or the other side of a schooling system. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Are there any other factors that were attractive for you? I think for me, it's about the people. I'm a people person. If you talk to some of my old compadres at TransFirst, they'll tell you that I'm probably math challenged, but I'm a sales guy by and large, and I'm a relationship guy. And I know how to generate opportunity within the organization and grow it. And I'll surround myself with the right people. But what appeals to me about Beyond is the culture here. It's an organization that wakes up in the morning, by and large, and focuses on doing the right thing all the time, even when no one's looking. And they've got a determination. Think about it. Bob started Heartland Payments way back in 96, 97 built it to a very sizable public organization, sold it for a very sizable amount. And a year later, in his 70s, for crying out loud, decides that he's going to jump back in and do this again. And people followed him that you know wanted to be part of the organization. That's pretty impressive. And you know, being part of that is pretty good. Yeah, that's very impressive. The whole give back program is really interesting. I read about it online. It's a very interesting program. What are some things that you're passionate about? Maybe one work-related passion and one personal passion. Sure. Actually, I just got finished doing a write-up for the internal newsletter and asked me this very question. From a work-related, I am very passionate about making sure it's a team environment and we're all working for a common goal. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, the give-back program is a common goal, taking the company to another level. Many people were with Bob back in the day, and they got a chance to see the company go public. But there are many people here that did not get a chance to see the company go public, and they're new here. Some of them actually have created a statement that my bucket list is to see us go public or to be part of a larger transaction down the road. And so for me, it's I'm passionate about getting them to their goal. Nothing sort of makes me shine more than when I see somebody be very successful that I've either mentored or I've gotten to the next level. And I use the old term, I'm an East Coast guy. So I had a godfather in in several opportunities in my career. And quite frankly, I think everybody should have one when they're growing up in business as long as they continue to work hard. So I'm passionate about making sure that people get to the goals that they want by doing the right thing. On a personal level, everyone will tell you I'm a little rough around the exterior. I'm sort of an animal softy. I'm a big animal rights advocate. I'm the first guy that sees an animal in distress. I got a tear in my eye. I'm pretty big on animal rights and I got cats and dogs. I feed the bear out in my backyard in the woods. So that's probably my uh, passion, I guess, to some degree. Okay. What would your advice be to someone coming right out of school? I often talk about this and I like to get different people's perspectives. But when I came out of college, even up until more recently, there were no fintech courses. Payments wasn't this big, hot, sexy industry that it is now. So say someone's coming out of college and they want to go into fintech or payments, what advice would you give them to help them be successful? Yeah, listen, you nailed it. Nobody goes to college or goes to higher education or comes out of school and says, I want to be a merchant services employee or or salesperson or something in merchant services. It's a commodity. Back in the day, it wasn't. It's a commodity sale. So my advice is learn as much as you can on how the industry has evolved from the very first days of the diner club being the first credit card out there to being used on how technology today is starting to transform the industry. Don't miss how we got there, but pay attention to how we're going to get to the next level. 
don't miss out on the opportunity to learn the things that bolt on to our industry. I never took the time early on because I was too busy trying to get salespeople and too busy trying to drive sales. But I never took the time to learn about the terminals and how they evolve, about the technology. There are people much smarter than me in this industry around that stuff. And when I sit in a room sometimes, I'm sort of glassy-eyed because I just didn't take the time to learn what some people take for granted. I will say, though, the young bucks that are coming into this business, they can walk circles around some of us senior guys. They understand the technology far better than we do. So take the time. It's pretty fascinating. And consider how it started, how it's evolved, and study up on where you think it's headed. Yeah, I think that's all great advice. So, Mike, we've covered a lot of ground on you, personally, your background, the company, and sort of the future of the industry. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, Greg, I think this has been great. I appreciate the time. I am looking forward to taking the organization to the next level. If anybody's ever got any questions for me, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free. And I think that's it. Okay. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Greg. Take care now. It's great talking to you. You too. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 